0: I'm sure. This is Pastor Randy and Pastor Nicole here. And listen, we are in February, the month of love, right, baby? That's
1: right. Oftentimes in the month of love, we love everything else. We love our children. We love our jobs. We love what we do. We love our sports or our hobbies. We're asking you this month to love your marriage. It's important that we prioritize the things that are important in life and hold us together. Yes,
0: amen. And to help us do that, on February the 24th, it's a Friday night from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., we have a special Love Your Marriage event that's happening, right? That's
1: right. There's going to be finger foods. There's going to be giveaways. And
0: childcare, so there's no excuse not to show up. No, free childcare. You don't even have to pay for it. Yes, so listen, there's going to be a QR code right there on your screen. If you want to like hit that qr code you'll know all the information again the time and the date we want to see you there to just help build your marriages and make them
1: stronger be sure and invite friends they don't even have to attend our church that's right but just come out to improve their marriage love your marriage amen we want
0: to see you there everybody god bless you we love you bye
2: well good evening church good to see everyone so glad you are here in the house of the Lord, look at someone beside you and say, I'm glad to see you. I am glad I'm glad to see you, Sharon. I'm glad to see you all. Tonight we have groups, which is amazing. Who's loving their small group so far? We we're only a couple weeks in, but I'm telling you, it's so good. It's so good. Props to my group leader. You know who you are. It's been amazing. I love it. Also, I want to welcome all the live streamers tonight. If you're out there viewing us online, welcome to church Welcome to be a part of our family. And if this is your first time here tonight, there is a card in front of the pew in front of you that says uh, guest information. If you just fill that out, you can either put in the offering buckets or drop it off at that big desk out there. We would love to connect with you. Two things I got for you. Obviously, you saw the commercial about love your marriage. It's going to be amazing, and it's happening this Friday. Two days? Two days from now, this Friday. So I'll give you a little insider We did the Love Your Marriage conference first at Urbana Church um, last week. We did the same thing we're going to be doing here, but we did it for our, uh, our Urbana campus. And it was amazing. It was so good. You want to be involved, and you want to bring someone out. Look at somebody and say, bring someone. Not just your spouse. Someone else. Bring someone out with you. It's going to be an amazing time. And also, too, I want to remind you, who, ha- who was here present in the building during any of the 21 days of prayer? A Wednesday night, a Saturday morning, any of the weeknights? Was it good? It was so good, church. I'm telling you, there are times I would just sit in tears just in the presence of God and how good it was to pray together. Because we are a church that prays. We pray first in all things. That's what we do. So I want to invite you out. We are going to have a Saturday morning time of prayer, just like we did on the Wednesday nights, just like we did on Saturday mornings. It'll be the first Saturday of the month. So this will be March 4th coming up. And it'll be right here from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And we're going to pray. Same structure that we did. We are going to get on our faces and pray. And I I know a lot of you saw all the prayer cards that were up here and all the needs that were present. And every single one of them got prayed over. That was something that took place on a weekly basis. But those prayer cards haven't stopped. There's still needs. There's still people who have needs. And you'll see the ushers amongst offering. You'll see them walk around and just hold up a prayer card. Just to say, if you've got a prayer request, please fill it out. I'll come right back and pick it up from you. Because there's still needs present. So we're going to be praying over those prayer cards on Saturday morning, March 4th. So I encourage you, come on out. Be a part. Bring someone with you. Bring your teenagers and bring your children with you. That was one of the most impactful things to me was bringing my kids to pray. And they got to see the environment of prayer. So I encourage you to come on out to that. Now, if you would stand up tonight, we're going to pray first because it's what we do. We're going to pray over this service tonight. Father, we come before you tonight as a congregation, as a body of believers. Lord, and tonight's not typical. It's not normal. God, it is a night that you have ordained for your church to be present and for your church to come together in unity to first worship you, to first worship you in spirit and in truth tonight. Father, tonight we enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise upon our lips tonight, Father. Lord, this is not something that we do lightly, God, but we do it with faith and in power tonight, Lord God. Father, tonight in this service, in this church, we pray, have your way. Have your way. Let your spirit come and rest upon your people tonight. We devote ourselves to you tonight fully. Lord, we come to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, let's worship them.
3: Deeper, deeper still into your love, into your love. There's freedom in the water, there's healing in the water. Oh, Jesus, you're the river, and we'll never find the end. There's freedom in the water, there is healing in the water. Oh, Jesus, you're the river.
4: Never
3: find the end Holding me deeper, deeper still Calling me deeper, deeper still So I'm going deeper, deeper still Into your love because your love keeps going deeper deeper still calling me deeper deeper still so i'm going deeper deeper still into your love into your love thank you lord oh yes
5: into your love Rushing wind Fire of God Fall within Holy Ghost Breathe on us We pray As we repent Turn from sin Revival embers Smoldering Breath of God Fan us into flame We need a fresh wind fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Indeed, the we'll finest fire, in what remains. So we the church, prepare your light, lamp of flame, city bright, king and kingdom, come is what we pray, cause we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven.
1: Pour your spirit out,
4: pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out.
5: Cause we need a fresh
4: wind,
5: the fragrance of heaven.
4: The power of your prayer.
5: wind's blowing, blowing, blowing. Move upon our praise. Sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind. It's blowing. of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, come on church and sing this out, the holy anoint, hold a fall in this room, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, Cause we need a fresh way. Fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out a holy anointing the power of your presence, pour your spirit out,
1: pour your
5: spirit out, and pour your spirit out, your spirit out. Spirit out,
4: pour
5: your spirit out, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, or your spirit out.
1: we have belongs to the Lord, right? So that what we do possess is not our own, but what God has entrusted to us. We have no rightful ownership of our possessions, right? We're just traveling through, right? And all is for his glory. And that is Romans 11:36. if you want a scripture reference. And here's the second scripture of my three, <laughs> And it shall be when thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth and shall go unto the place where the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. That's Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2. Tithing. Many Christians aren't very excited about it, if you can believe that, but they should be and they would be if they understood how to do it properly. Scriptural tithing stirs up faith, and we're the family of faith. It activates the power of God in our lives when we do it in gratitude and joy, expecting our needs to be met abundantly. And that same chapter of 28 in Deuteronomy, later 8 through 9, God told the Israelites exactly what to say when they brought their tithes. He instructed them to acknowledge the fact that he had brought them out of the bondage of Egypt and to say, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terror suffered by the Egyptians and with signs and with wonders. And he has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. What does that have to do with you and me? God has done the same thing for us. He's brought us out of a life of bondage and poverty into a life that flows with the abundance of God. Would you agree? So when you bring your tithe to the Lord, follow the example set by the Israelites. Make it a time of rejoicing. Make it a time of realizing anew the glorious things that Jesus Christ has done for you. Thank him for delivering you from a land of darkness and scarcity and bringing you into his promised land of plenty. Thank him that it is a land of mercy, a land of joy, a land of peace, and a land of prosperity. Tithe and faith, expecting the rich blessings of that land to be multiplied to you. You may soon find it to be one of the most exciting things that you can do. You guys, isn't it great when we know the Lord, we love Him, we trust Him, we obey Him, and we're under the umbrella of His protection, His blessings, His favor, all of that is ours. The final scripture I want to do is in... The Passion Translation, at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. How about that? Did you catch that? So I want to share, I shared when Pastor passed around the microphone that we had a breakthrough from the 21 days of prayer, I had sacrificed three things, like Pastor Nicole mentioned, sacrificing things that are of pleasure. And we filled out a prayer card. We were needing a miracle with flights to, to Arizona for mid-March. And what we were running into, we were, we're taking our dog. Don't laugh. <laughs> we're one of those. And we needed you know, a direct flight. We needed plenty of room. So we were thinking, OK, we'll try first class. Well, first class was $4,000. We're like, well, that's just insane. So. We put it to prayer. We also checked comfort. Comfort gives you more seating with Delta. And it was 3000. Still so ridiculous, right? So we put it on a prayer card. So thank you, whoever prayed, prayed in agreement. We were believing and just we knew that we loved him and we were faithful with our tithing. And why not, right? Why couldn't we get a miracle? So in our prayers, seven weeks on a Tuesday before this flight happens next month, um, we had so much favor, and I'm so grateful and just can't believe it to this day. We got direct flights, round trip for both of us, our dog too, and under $1,500, first class on the way out, and comfort on the way back, saving $2,500. That's our God, and that's what happens when we stay true to Him. So I think I'll go ahead and just pray for our tithes tonight, our offering. Heavenly Father. We just thank you for your blessings and your favor and your provision. And we remember that everything is yours and we come today with joy, hilarious joy to bring what's already yours and to do it cheerfully, Father. And thank you, Father. I ask your blessing on every every giver here that you would meet every single need that they have, Father, and that um, you would multiply for this house And everyone here, we thank you, praise you in all things, in Jesus' name.
0: hallelujah all right some of us are going to our small groups hasta luego enjoy your small groups tonight my <laughs> bonjour my wife decided to uh my wife decided to go to a small group so she says you're going to stay out here and listen but then she left she's she's uh, She's gonna to go to the forgiveness class. I said, I don't think I'll forgive you if you go there. So yeah, praise the Lord. But we have my mother outlaw, she's here. So I have great support. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Everybody good? good. All right. Okay, good. Good to see you. I'm just looking at all the faces everywhere. All right, nice to see those of you who showed up on a rainy night. Tomorrow is gonna to be 65 degrees in February. I have a feeling there's going to be a blizzard in March. No, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just loving this weather. So praise the Lord. We brought it back with us for vacation. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been beautiful. All right. Well, I want to get busy here. We got a little time tonight. Good. So um, we're going to be reading out of the book of Nehemiah tonight. So uh, if you want to turn there, you can do that. The book of Nehemiah, it is in the Old Testament. So Ezra is first, and then it's Nehemiah, and then Esther, and then Job, and I forget what's after that, but anyhow, it's all in there. So you can look at it on your devices as well, if you have it there. So the backstory first about Nehemiah. The Babylonians destroyed Israel because of their sin, of course, and um, they, were, they were gone from Jerusalem for a very long time, but then they started... To come back. Well, as they came back, Ezra rebuilt the altar first. And then, after Ezra, 20 years later, the temple was then rebuilt. So, a lot of things had happened there. And then, after that, is when Nehemiah comes on the scene. Um, People had been returning to Jerusalem after the exile, uh, but they had no protection, no protection whatsoever. So some of the Jews went to Jerusalem, they checked everything out, and they went all the way back to Persia to where Nehemiah was, and they gave him all of the things that they had seen. And in Nehemiah 1, chapter 1, verse 3, we'll start right there. And this is Nehemiah talking. And he said that, They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great Trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Wow. Well, no fortification means no protection, right? Absolutely, no protection. No protection from outsiders that come in, no protection from their enemies, no protection from wild animals, and things of that nature. So that could cause trouble for the people. But there's another word in there, too, that he used. He said that they would also, uh, besides trouble, that they were in disgrace. In disgrace. A city with broken down walls was disgraceful and, of course, shameful. And it also meant that the people were defeated. They had no protection. They had no walls. It was very shameful. It was disgraceful. It would be like you having no doors on the exterior of your homes. So there's no protection. Anybody could do whatever they wanted to, wild animals, people, whatever. And so it was not only dangerous, but it was disgraceful, and it let everybody around them know that they were a defeated people. So they brought that news back to Nehemiah. And I guess at first, when he started hearing all this, I can't imagine how he felt because he loved Jerusalem. He loved God. He loved his people. And I would assume that he would probably start to feel a little discouraged at what he heard. And so tonight, that's what I just want to focus a few minutes on, is discouragement. Discouragement. Discouragement is a loss of confidence in something or someone, and it could even be yourself. Have any of you ever been discouraged with yourself? Absolutely. I definitely have. Absolutely right. So... Nehemiah, as I'm reading the story, I guarantee you he was discouraged at what he said. And I don't have to guess that because right in the next verses here, Nehemiah, it said that he mourned and he wept for days, for days after he heard that news. He was so discouraged at what he heard. But look at Nehemiah 1.5. Go down there to 15 and look what it says. It says, but even though he was discouraged, what did he do first? Ah, just what, just what we talked about earlier. He prayed first. He prayed first. He didn't get mad. He didn't get angry. He didn't go crazy. He prayed first. And if you read on down there, when he prayed, what did he do first when he prayed? First, he praised God for who he was. God, you are almighty. You're all this. You're amazing. You're just You're phenomenal. You're an awesome God. You're covenant mercy. You keep them. But then after he worshiped God for who he was, what did he do next? He repented. He repented of his sins, and he repented for the children of Israel's sins. And then after he did that, then he reminded God of his promises. Almost sounds like a pattern in his prayer, huh? Yeah, almost sounds like the Lord's prayer. He had a pattern, and he prayed the pattern, and really we're supposed to pray that pattern as well. Are we not? Absolutely. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God, your name is set apart from everything. We thank you and love you for who you are. Hallelujah. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts, Lord. It's a pattern, and he used that pattern of prayer. Right there, it's fantastic. Remember this, James 4.10 tells us also that if we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up. So we must repent, we must be humbled. And that's exactly what he did. God gave him favor with the king and the queen and also gave him everything that he needed to go to Jerusalem. God gave him favor. He answered his prayer. So he didn't let discouragement take him down. He prayed. And that's what we're supposed to do first. We're supposed to pray first. Say, pray first. Oh, are you kidding me? The kids in nursery can do better than that. Say, pray first. Pray first. All right. Do you mean that? Yes. Amen. Pray first. Hallelujah. You a little tired tonight, are you? <laughs> it's okay. Pray. So we get some excitement in this place. Pray first. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, so then Nehemiah and the people of Israel started to rebuild. Again, he took everything with him. When he got there, he surveyed the issues, surveyed the problems. I'm sure he made a, he had a plan. He had got a game plan. And then the Bible says that he started to rebuild the temple. And in chapter 3, we're not going to do it, but all of chapter 3, it's going to be talking about who helped do what. And what areas they rebuilt. And these people did this. And that people did that. And these people did this. And this family did this. And this family rebuilt this part. And this family rebuilt that part. The whole chapter is talking about all the children of Israel that was there, how they were all building each part of the wall to rebuild it back up. That was fantastic. But in the fourth chapter is when things take a turn. So everything seems to be going well. Everybody's happy. Everybody's rebuilt. Nehemiah there. He's coaching, he's a champion, woo, we're rebuilding the walls. This is gonna be great. But in the fourth chapter, things start taking a little turn here. And so let's read Nehemiah chapter four, and we're just gonna start in verse one here, and just we'll go down to verse three. It says, But it so happened when San, I don't even know how you say these words, Sanbalah heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very ignorant. In, ignorant yeah, indignant. And mocked the Jews, and he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and said, "What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they uh, revive the stones from the heaps of rubble stones that are burned?" Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and then he started chiming in. Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it he will break down their stone walls. Wow, that's pretty bad. Them guys were being mean. They were bullies, (laughs) you know, bullies. They were bullies back then. Wow, what do you know? So again, Nehemiah started hearing this. His enemies started coming forth. Now, what did Nehemiah do? Exactly, that boy took a hammer and started beating some heads, didn't he? That's what, that's what we would have done. <laughs> no. I mean, we can't even, you know, we can't even do the right thing when somebody pulls out in front of us. <laughs> Let alone start telling us little foxes are going to break down our walls when they walk on them. I mean, come on, no. He did what? He prayed first again. Say, pray first. Pray, pray. So when his enemies started to come, he prayed to God, the Bible says. It's exactly what he said. All right, Nehemiah 4. Let's look at verse 4. It says, Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them a plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sins be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Verse 6. So we built the wall. So they prayed and then they continued to start building that wall. And the entire wall was joined together together Up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Wow. So again, they got together. They didn't get discouraged, and they kept building the walls. And then in verse 9, look what happens again, though, actually in verse 7. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the uh, the Ammonites... And the Asteonites, looks like the enemies are starting to grow. It just ain't two or three anymore. Now there's a team. It keeps building here. More enemies start coming to the forefront. When they heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come out and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Whoa. So it's getting a little worse. So when that happened, finally, finally Nehemiah got out the big guns and started attacking his enemies. Is that what the Bible says? No. What did he do again? He prayed again. He prayed first. Wow. How many of you would do that? I mean, this is the this is the second time here this has happened. The enemies kept coming. Now there's, he prayed once. All right, everybody's cool. We prayed. Everything's great. Okay, now I'll get back to work. Everybody's working again. Now it happened again, but now there's twice as many enemies coming at him. Now, I mean, will, will we pray or, or will we try to do something on our own? Well, this ain't, This prayer stuff ain't working. What are we going to do here? Nehemiah prayed again, prayed again, and he posted a guard, it said, this time at night. So he's getting a little smarter. Uh, the threats are getting are coming in more. I'm going to use a little wisdom here. We're going to post a guard up. Nothing wrong with that, right? But then we read in verse 10 that the people's strength started to give out. It says here, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Uh oh. So now the wall is like only halfway done. And now everybody's starting to get tired. Now there's rubbish. There's so much rock and, and, and rubble in the way that they can't continue to build the wall any longer. So, I, you know, I would say that between the hard work, between the constant threats, seeing that they were only halfway done, that they were getting a little discouraged. Absolutely. The threats come, they pray. More threats come. They pray again. I'm sure some of those Israelites were starting to say, how much is enough is enough, Nehemiah. I don't think God's listening to us. I think he's still mad at us because of our sin. That's why the Babylonians destroyed us. I don't think he's listening to us now. I guarantee you those people were out there. I guarantee you they were talking like that. I I guarantee it because we do it today. Ouch, I'm sorry. Yes, we do it today. And here's the thing. Discouragement seems to set in at the middle point of almost anything we do. (laughs) You guys get that sometimes? Man, I'm in the middle of this 21-mile race. I'm halfway, and I can't see the end. Man, oh, my gosh. I'm getting a little discouraged. What does discouragement make you want to do? Who said it first? If I had a candy bar? No, you didn't. I heard it back there first. You just copied that answer. (laughs) If I had a candy bar, I'd give it to you. Discouragement makes you want to quit. Just give up. Lay down the gauntlet. That's what discouragement wants you to do. Wants you just to quit. Sometimes discouragement comes when something takes longer than expected. Are you feeling me? Like waiting on answered prayer. All right waiting on that perfect wife. Oh, I'm sorry. She's already taken. Thank you. I have her. You're going to be waiting forever. So change your prayer. I've got Nicole. So the perfect wife. And you guys are stiff tonight. A little laughter in the house is good. Come on. It's like a medicine. Jeez. All right. You know, finding that job, that perfect job that you want. God will give us the desires of our heart. I need this job. Why ain't it coming? I'm going job at the job. So when it takes longer than expected, well, obviously, discouragement tries to set in. Amen? That's right. Amen. So my first point is discouragement comes when some things take longer than expected. And my second point is this. What did they say? They said that they're getting tired. The strength of the laborers are failing. Discouragement comes also when we get tired. When we get tired, when we can't keep up. Physical and emotional draining and fatigue can make things appear bleaker than they are or bigger than they are. It does, it happens. That's why we have to take care of our physical bodies. We have to take care of them. We've got to sleep more. Yeah? We've got to rest more. We've got to go out and take walks, get away from the job, go on vacations, do all we need to do, take breaks. We have to keep our bodies in good shape and good condition because we get tired. When we get tired, we get discouraged. And then we want to quit. I know I'm talking better than you're a All right. So Nehemiah was in the thick of it. Not only were their laborers tired, but here's what else he's dealing with, and we'll just start here in, in 10 again. Judah said, the strength of the laborers are failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the walls. And our adversaries said that they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause them the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt there near them came, they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Wow. So they've prayed once, they've prayed twice, they're tired, they're only halfway done, there's so much rubble around, and the enemies continue to fight, continue to talk, continue to threaten. And yet, Nehemiah still doesn't give in. Still does not get, well, I I can't say he wasn't discouraged. I'm sure he was discouraged. But he didn't let it get to him, and he didn't quit. Because he always thought about God. He always prayed first, and then thought about the situation. And I guarantee you that when he prayed first, God gave him wisdom. I guarantee it. Told him what to do, how to do it. Because after he prayed, well, then he set a guard, right? Well, then this is what happens then, this. But this is, let me, I'm going to get ahead of myself here real quick. Discouragement can come when something takes longer than expected. Discouragement can come when you're tired. And here's point number three. Discouragement can come when something is more complicated than expected. More complicated than expected. It can cause frustration, which causes discouragement right? Absolutely. And of course, I'm kind of, the, and the reason actually I kind of picked this story of the wall is because I'm kind of in the thick of it myself. Joel's over here smiling. He knows what I'm going through, and of course, so does Tim Luntz back there in the other corner. They've both been to my house. Back in 1984, there was an addition put on our house, before I moved in, of course, um, and they had backfilled the hill and they'd put a wooden wall there back in 1984. Well, since 1984, the, the wooden wall has disintegrated and started falling apart. And therefore, the hill is starting to give way. Therefore, my foundation is starting to be exposed more and more and more every year. So I had to do something about it. So I called around and tried to do my research. pour a wall, do a foundation wall, a seawall, this, this. I mean, it, it's, been a, it's been crazy. But to make a long story short, I found a company who said that you know what I think you should just stack one-ton rocks, build a build a nice little area, get some virgin dirt there, and and then put some one-ton rocks up, and then we'll backfill it, and that'll never happen again. There'll be be no more problems with your foundation. I thought, well, that don't sound too bad. I I like that idea. Plus, it'll look kind of cool. Never thought about that. So, um, I. The contractor said, okay, man, we can start now, da I said, great, so no problem. So he started doing, I have a picture of the first. So this is kind of how it looks there. So each rock is basically a car, a small car, one ton. So there's 52 rocks that we had to put on top of each other, and we was going four stories up. So we got all the rock laid, and then uh, I'd say probably three weeks later, I was waiting on dirt, all of a sudden the wall started to, to, to come out. A little bit, I'm like whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on? Call the contractor back. Wow, I guess that wasn't as virgin as it was supposed to be. You know the dirt, so that's stacked up four high. One, you can't see it in there. So they said, okay, hey, you know what? No problem. We'll come back. We'll take all those block off. We'll put you in a, a foundation of, of rocks, and we only charge you thirty nine hundred or three thousand more dollars. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Okay, whatever. I was in Colorado when this happened. So, Nicole, get it done. So they put four feet. They dug out four feet, and each foot they tamped four, four tens, which is a basic, basic rocks. In some areas, he said he had to go seven feet deep with rocks and charge me $900 more <clears throat> than, than what he was supposed to. They sat all of it back on there again. I thought, yes, praise the Lord. It's done. No problems. So then we started to backfill. I have another picture here. We started to backfill it with dirt. So uh, if you guys were up at Menards and you see that beside Menards, they're building all these um, big storage facilities up there in Lyme, Ohio, those of you who've been up there. Well, I found the owner, called him. Hey, man, I want your dirt, bro. He said, good, you can have it. But, man, everything's not free. I had to pay a driver to bring it. So he brought over tons of dirt, and so we're backfilling this. And so we backfilled it all, and it was all done, and I'm just, oh, thank God this is over. Praise the Lord. Well... I'm on vacation for two weeks. The last day I'm on vacation, Andrew and Ashley was there, and they said, uh, Randy, we need, to, uh, we need you to come in, in the condo for a minute. We have to talk to you. Uh, okay. What, have I been witnessing too much to all the people around here? They're kicking me out. I mean, what's going on here? You know, what's happening? And they said, um, we got to show you something. And so they showed me this next picture right here. <clears throat> All the block had fallen. Yeah, and there's I think there's another picture, and that's what's standing right now. And actually, as as of today, um, it's further than that. I don't even know how it's standing. So that is all falling. So they told me that on a last day vacation because they didn't want to ruin my vacation. (laughs) Well, let me tell you something. I was discouraged, (laughs) but I didn't. I didn't try to show it. I tried to be nice and call. What can I do about it? Right? I mean. what am I supposed to do about it? But I was discouraged. So I was probably like Nehemiah. This is ridiculous. So what did I do? No, I didn't. <laughs> I called the contractor first. <laughs> I should have prayed first. <laughs> We're all human, right? I called the contractor before I prayed. I'm like, dude, what is going on? And we'll talk about it when you get home. Yeah, okay, you bet we will. So uh, then I prayed, <laughs> God, help me, Jesus. I've got thousands of dollars invested in this mess. And, of course, that's what it looks like now. It still looks like that. I still haven't figured out what I'm supposed to do. So I've called other contractors, and I've talked to this existing contractor. So I'm still in it. I'm still in the fight right now. So just be thanking the Lord that God's working this out on our behalf. Hallelujah. I, just, I tried to find Nehemiah, but I couldn't find a Nehemiah to help me rebuild this wall. <laughs> there was no Nehemiah. Is there any Nehemiahs in the phone book? <laughs> Jesus, help me. But it's going to all work out, all right? Hallelujah, because we have great favor. I'm a king's kid, you know, amen? So I thank God that this is going to work out, and I'll let you know exactly what happens with it. Praise the Lord. So just, just be thanking God with me on that. But here's the deal. We're all going to have debris and complications, uh, when you're de- when you're dealing with things, when you're building something new, it's going to happen. It's unavoidable. If you ever build a house, you know, complications happen. Things like, we were building this church. Man, there was complications that happened. How does a guy miss an $80,000 electric uh, addition that he didn't do? Ooh, I remember that, man. Ooh, Pastor Dosek. Wow, that was the first thing he did was get up and walk out of the trailer. And I know why, because he's only human. I'm sure he was discouraged, you know, you dumb, (laughs) and he he walked out, Where Where'd he going, and I think, Nicole, and I think you were in there, right, Uh, you better thank God he walked out, so, (laughs) but yeah, things happen, all right, it happens, when you're building something new, it's unavoidable, you're trying to build a new life with Jesus, and put him in the center of it, but old debris keeps popping up, huh, come on now, Falling into old temptations. Old worldly friends keep trying to pull you back. Man, what are you doing? Come on, just one drink. Come out with us, man. Man, it used to be fun. You used to do this. I remember poor little Ray Moody over here. His kids were like, we liked you better when you were a sinner. Why his old kids said that? What? Are you kidding me? That was so crazy. Keep trying to pull you back. Bad habits, attitudes keep creeping up. It can be discouraging. It can be discouraging. But that's where friends and the body of Christ will help you. We can help you and help each other remove the debris from our lives. All right, absolutely we can. David had the same problems that Nehemiah had as well. In uh, Psalms 25 and verse uh, 16, it says here, and this is David talking. He's saying, turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate And afflicted. The troubles of my heart uh, have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. It sounds like he's discouraged right now. Right? Look at my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Here we are again. Consider my enemies, for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred. Sounds like what Nehemiah is going through. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on you, O Lord. That's David's prayer. So again, he's discouraged. But man, he's giving it all to God. He's laying it on the line. He's praying first. He's giving it to him. Who else are you going to give it to? Who else are you going to put your trust in? Got to put our trust in God, folks. Amen? Absolutely. Discouragement can come when something takes longer than expected. Discouragement can come when you're tired. Discouragement can come when something is more complicated than expected. And discouragement can come when you doubt your own abilities. Have you ever done a project? You thought, "Uh uh-oh, I should have never started that project. Like my wall. (laughs) Whoops. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no, now what am I going to do? Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Nehemiah could have been thinking the same thing. I was a cupbearer. Back in Persia, I had no problems. No threats. I had great favor with the king and the queen. Man, I had a monster television. I had HGTV. I had air conditioning. I got nothing now. What was I thinking? He he might have had those thoughts. Wow, can I really get this done? I've got stuff coming from this angle. I got enemies from this angle. I got rubble here. I got complaints coming from everywhere. What was I thinking? I mean, he's just human too. Yeah? Amen, absolutely. Hallelujah. You might be thinking the same thing. Why did I ever get married? Well, it's too late now. You got to deal with it and you got to get through it. Huh? Come on. Whose idea was it to have these kids? Jesus, help us. Come on. Oh, why did I start that business? I don't understand. Why am I still in college and what for? I've changed my majors three times. What was I thinking? I got so much money invested, I just can't quit. Oh, why did I move here? And why did we buy this money pit? Wow, how many of you had those (laughs) money pits? I mean, come on, somebody. Yeah, all those things. But I'm going to be honest, this is normal, guys. It's normal to feel these things in this way. We're humans And we'll always have temporary setbacks. No matter who you are, no matter how godly you are, no no matter how much you speak in tongues, you're going to have some setbacks because it's life. We're going to have trouble. But don't fear. Don't be discouraged. He is with us, and he's there to help us. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. But it's how we react and what we do in the face of discouragement that counts. Now, has anybody ever got any amazing results by complaining, by having self-pity when it comes to discouragement? No, absolutely not. It'll just take you down further. Absolutely. So crying, whining, complaining, having self-pity, it doesn't work. So just don't do it. Just stop. Stop. Pray first, put your faith in God, get back up, and do what Nehemiah continued to do. We're going to read on. And here's the other thing. When Nehemiah's enemies saw in verse 7 that the wall was half built, they grew stronger. And now this is something you ought to write down. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. All right? Opposition grows stronger the more visible you are. Opposition will grow stronger the more visible you are. And I thought to myself, God, give me a great example of that. Bam, it hit me like a brick. This church was the prime example of that. When we was over there, cuddled up in town, everything was beautiful. We had really no problems. It was just glorious. But when we became exposed and put our first building over here On I-75, where everybody could see it, opposition got stronger. The devil upped his game when we became exposed, all right? Because, again, it grows stronger the more visible you are. Now we're on I-75. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh boy, we're a lighthouse right on I-75. I got to do something about that, he said. And so I remember we were building this building, the first one, And then all of a sudden, where's the church van? Where where did it go? You remember this? Somebody stole it, took it to the edge of town and burned it. I mean, dear God, what in the, what did, what? That never happened before. No, and then all of a sudden they're, we're were coming in in the morning and there's a lot of ruckus going on and somebody stole all of the moving equipment, all of the big monster cats and everything. Somebody stole it all in the middle of the night. How in the world did they even do that? It was unbelievable, gone. I guess I don't know what we're going to do now. So we'd come in, we'd try to come in the parking lot and tons of bottles were all busted in our church parking lot. It's like, what? We looked up at the sign. Now I can see why because it had Pastor Phil's name on it. It was all egged every morning. People were egging egging the sign out here all the time. We'd drive down the road and all of the only believe mail was scattered all on Botkin's Road. Somebody would take all our mail out, throw it down all on the road, and then start to beat our mailbox to pieces. That's why it's steel out there. We had Cattahenrich Henrich build a steel one. I would have loved to have been here when that guy tried that. <laughs> Sucker, hallelujah. Pray first. Oh, God, our enemies, hallelujah. Bless them, Lord. Save them. You know, all these things and more things. The neighbors started calling the church and cussing us out. I mean, vulgar, horrible stuff. But remember what God says: Don't you dare touch mine anointed. The guy died instantly after he called Pastor Dusty up and cussed him on the phone. Man, boom—he died. True story, isn't it, David? That's right. So don't you ever touch one of God's anointed. <laughs> Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. The Scripture's true, right? All the i mean, every problem you can imagine started happening when we became visible. It got discouraging at times. You know, pastor's just shaking his head, man, and then the place floods. We had a storm, and all of a sudden the whole parking lot's gone. We're like, what is happening here? The devil has upped his game because we're a threat. We're a threat. You're a threat to the devil, and he wants to get you discouraged so you'll quit. Mm -mm -mm Mm-mm-mm-mm. Hallelujah. I remember uh, rumors started flying, too. That, uh, that we were a church that sacrificed animals, blood sacrifice in church. I was like, where'd that come from? Our wonderful name, it was been a beautiful name, and Only Believe Ministries turned to only bring money, OBM. And then they got even smarter, and Only Believe Ministries Christian Center only bring money, cash, or check. I thought, Wow. I said, you know what, let's just give in to these guys and go only believe ministry's Christian center, center. Cash, check, or credit. You know, that would have been even better. It just add on. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Add on to it. Oh, I was crazy. And then the worst rumor of all, which, man, was very discouraging, was when, and it got out so bad that we had to call the news and bring them in and rebuke them for it, was when they were saying that <clears throat> Phyllis and I <coughs> stole a million dollars and we ran off together. What? Are you kidding me? Wow. That was just so whatever. But that rumor wouldn't stop. It wouldn't remember that, Pastor Phyllis? We had to call the news and we brought him right out there and Pastor Dosek, whoo. Well, but we brought him here and he rebuked them openly. Put him in I think you had a you had a little interview with him, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, and she said I remember Pastor Dosek. He said, Well, as you can see, she's still sitting beside me. that <laughs> was pretty funny. I was nowhere around. I didn't want to be seen by her. That no way. Oh, man, I was spending the million dollars somewhere. I don't know where I was. So. But, I mean, it's just crazy because the, the enemy, man, is just jacking up his stuff, just like he was doing Nehemiah. Every time he prayed, it seemed like, man, something else would come up, bringing more enemies in. And that's what he does to you and I. But we can't give up. We can't quit. The devil's just trying to create fear, fear, and hoping we won't go any further. That's what they were trying to do. The enemies of, of the children are trying to just create fear so they'll stop, run away, Hallelujah. But you know what? They didn't quit, did they? They were criticized, ridiculed, threatened, and that's reason enough to be discouraged. But each time Nehemiah prayed, he handled each problem. He handled it. He didn't listen to his enemies, and neither should you. Don't listen. Don't give an ear to your enemies. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. So here's how Nehemiah dealt with opposition and conflict. Nehemiah 4, and we're going to go to verse 13. 4, verse 13. Where is it? Come here and find it. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall and the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked, remember that, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He encouraged the people. They were discouraged and he encouraged them. Don't give up. Don't quit. Fight back. But look what he did. I thought it was really good. It pointed out there that sometimes we need to reorganize, all right, in the midst of what we're doing. Come up with a new plan. And and I wrote this down because I thought this was really good. A new strategy. Change the way we're doing things. It's not that we are doing things wrong all the time. It's just doing them the wrong way. Because what did it say? It said that he he looked. So he reorganized. He said, okay, what's happening here? i gotta, I got to come up with a different plan, a different strategy. And he started taking families, and he started putting them certain ways to help each other, do different things. You also see my point there, verifying what I said about the body of Christ is here for you when discouragement comes. Families were together as he reorganized. They supported each other. Do you guys have a support group, or do you have a support person when you're getting discouraged and things come in your way? Yes or no? If so, you, if not, you, gotta, you need to find one. You know, our small groups that we're having even tonight, that's kind of like a support group. Man, I mean, we go through, we're, we're in the classes that we need, and then we pray for each other at the end. We pray over each other. We talk about things. It's a, it's a support group. Our home groups that we have once a month, it's a support group. It's, it's, it's a group that helps each other. We laugh. We, we cry. We pray for each other. We eat food. You know, it's, it's like a support group. Serving with others can also give you support. I can't tell you. We pray every Sunday together. We do things together. We work together. We laugh together. We pray together. It's a support group. Nehemiah put one together, and you need one too. When discouragement, and problems, and situations come your way. It's very important. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Encourage one another and build each other up. Now, we have to do that. We need to do that. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so sometimes... Number one, we have to reorganize. Number two, in the 14th verse, Nehemiah looked around and told them to remember their God who is great and awesome. In other words, refocus. When you're discouraged, remember God. Put him first. Pray first. Refocus. We may be in it so long and so deep we lose our focus because now we're way over here because the devil's pushed us way over here and we're we're not focused anymore. Refocus. What am I doing? What was my goal? Refocus. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. He's going to help you finish what you started. Jonah 2.7, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Turn your thoughts to God. Turn your thoughts to God. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. And number three, resist discouragement. Resist it. Remember, discouragement is a choice. It is a choice. It is. Just like being angry is a choice, right? Being offended is a choice. Yeah. Just like sin is a choice. Nobody makes us do these things. The devil didn't make you do it. Sorry. It's your choice. Discouragement is a choice. Discouraged people give up when the project is only half done, only half over. Discouraged people start off as Christians, but as that world pulls them, they fold like paper airplanes and they're flown away, never to be seen again. I can't tell you how many people are like that. I used to know. Just, where did they go? Wow. I mean, man, Botkins is only so big. Where do these people go? It's crazy. So, all right, let me close this thing. Let me shut the garage door. Let me put the lid on the jelly jar. Let me take the garbage to the road. I could go on and on. <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, no, okay, never mind. All right, I'm going to pull the tractor in the barn. That was for you, John. I like that. It was good. All right, Nehemiah 616. Let's close up with this. Let me go over there. Okay, and it says this, and it happened? What happened? That the wall was finished. And in only 52 days. What? 52 days? Are you kidding me? When all of our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by our God. Woo! Woo! So you mean to tell me that our enemies were discouraged? Oh, poor babies. It's okay if our enemies are discouraged. I'm okay with that. Enemies, you can be discouraged because we got God on our side. Who do you have on your side? <coughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And then I have a picture. That, guys, is the walls rebuilt in Jerusalem. And that, that's unbelievable if you, if you think that. And when your own time, you can go back. In chapter 3, and you can look at the dung gate and the king garden and all these things. It all talks about all these things that were completely rebuilt in 52 days. That's why their enemies said, hey, this was God. No matter what we did, it didn't stop them. Praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. In other words, they were discouraged. So <laughs> tonight, remember the three R's. Reorganize. Refocus and resist. Reorganize. It's not that maybe you're doing it wrong, but just, man, maybe I need to do it this way instead. Maybe there's a better way. God, show me what way, what the better way is in Jesus' name. We've done that so many times, projects here at the church. Man, this just ain't working. Man, it's getting discouraging. What are we supposed to do? Man, okay, we pray, and God gives us an idea. This happens. He gives us great favor, my goodness, I remember when we were supposed to have thousands of dollars worth of uh, water uh, sprayers and stuff in that other building. Oh my gosh, we just that just can't happen right now. What are we going to do, man? Well, you know what? We reorganized, <clears throat> we refocused, and we prayed, and God and God gave uh, Pastor favor, and He met this guy in the bathroom, and uh, all of a sudden he said, "You know what? Man? We ain't even going to do that. I mean, save us thousands of dollars. Beautiful, and resist." <coughs> so. Here's my thing. If you're discouraged tonight, I said this. We have each other. We have each other. We're here for each other. We are the body. We are the church. You are the church. And we're here to help each other, lift each other up. So everybody stand up. Stand up with me right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Virginia, are you back there in that back row? Is there a Virginia back there or did she go to a small group? Virginia must have went to a small group. All right, she told me that she was discouraged and that she needed prayer tonight, so we'll find her. Maybe she went to a small group tonight. But if you're discouraged about something, I want you to raise your hand. All right, amen, I see the hands. Good, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, good. Now, guys that aren't discouraged, I want you to keep your hands up. I want you to go to those people right now, and I want you to lay hands on them. I want you to lay hands on them. Come on. Come on, church. Hallelujah. We're here for each other. Lay hands on them. Rebuke discouragement in their lives. Keep your hands up so people can get around you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Help each other. Come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Now just pray. Pray. Rebuke discouragement in their lives right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. I thank you. I thank you for your people. God, I thank you that tonight, Lord God, we we come to you with our problems, with our situations that we are going through. Father, we might be discouraged. (coughs) We might be downtrodden. But, God, we will not give up and we will not quit because you are with us. Now, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. You are awesome. You are mighty. Hallelujah. You at home, just raise your hands in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, and just rebuke discouragement off of yourselves. You can pray over yourself. David prayed over himself. Hallelujah, pray over yourselves. Rebuke that discouragement in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, I thank you for it right now. Oh God, I give you praise for it right now. And God, just forgive us of all of our sins, Lord God. Anything that we've done wrong, Lord God, that would cause things not to happen or to work in our lives, Lord, just forgive us right now. Hallelujah, any walls, Lord God, that would be there that our prayers could not be answered. Lord Jesus, I just ask for forgiveness for myself, God, and for this congregation and those at home in the name of Jesus, just as Nehemiah had done. And God, I thank you for your promises. God, we read your scriptures tonight, that you're with us, that you're for us. God, hallelujah, that you meet all of our needs. Lord God, you rebuke the devourer for our sake in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, I thank you. I thank you, Father, depression and oppression. Father, be put away in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, God. I thank you for peace, Lord God. I thank you for answers, Lord God, to these people's problems, situations, projects, Lord God. I thank you for great favor, Lord God, to come over them tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, for phone calls, Lord God, for blessings, Lord God, to overtake them in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for it tonight, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, discouragement has no place in their lives and is melted away in your name. I give you praise tonight for it, and I thank you for it, God. Hallelujah, for you're worthy. You're worthy, you're worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, and if you're done praying, just thank him. Just get, take 15 seconds and thank him. Thank him that discouragement is gone. Thank him that your answers are here, that he's helping you reorganize. Father, what you need to do in Jesus' name, just thank him and just praise him. God, you're worthy to be praised. We thank you, Father, for answering us, that you hear us, that you hear our cries, God. Oh, we give you praise for it tonight. And I thank you, Father, that testimonies will come out of this service and out of this message, Lord God, as they step out in faith. Lord God, oh, we give you praise tonight, and we thank you for it. Oh, we thank you for it. Now, God, I just thank you for blessing the people tonight as they leave, Lord God, and go home. Oh, I thank you that you're with them. Lord God, I pray for safety over their lives, over their families' lives, their kids' lives. We plead the blood of Christ over everyone tonight as they leave. I thank you, Father, that you put in their path people that they can pray for, that they can witness to. And that, Lord God, I thank you that they will be saved. They'll come to the knowledge of Christ, that they'll see the light that's shining out of every one of these people in this place and that, God, they'll come to the knowledge of you. They'll ask forgiveness for their sins. They'll repent, Lord God, and they'll be saved in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, God, and we give you praise tonight. And everybody said, amen, amen. You're dismissed. Love you guys. See you Sunday morning, 10 a.m.